emotional abuse is real and painful. If ongoing, it can have a detrimental effect on your body and your soul. Therefore, understanding emotional trauma biblically is vital, and that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me in my cyber home at rickthomas.net. We have a team of people there. Did you know that? If you have questions, and a lot of people do, it is easy as pie to ask your questions. You can come to our cyber home shoved up in cyberspace, and you can ask whatever question that is on your heart, whatever you may be going through, situational difficulty, relational problem, personal issue, whatever it may be, you do have a place to talk, and we would love to come alongside you. This is what our ministry does. We help people by producing articles like the one I'm about to share with you on emotional abuse, We produce podcasts. You're listening to this one. We also have Life Over Coffee, another podcast where I interact with topical issues. And we have videos and graphics and webinars and public forums and an online education program where we develop leaders. There's a lot going on in our ministry, and God has been very kind to us to allow us to build a platform like this to serve you. So let us know how we can serve you. If you want to read this podcast, please do that. Go to rickthomas.net, the title of the podcast and the article. There's over 2,200 words. It's a long-form article. It's called Emotional Abuse, Its Origins, Its Cure. I hope it is a benefit to you. If you are a disciple maker, if you come along side people, then I would really encourage you to not only read this article, but you're welcome to share it. Our resources become wonderful homework assignments for disciples, those who enjoy counseling and really have a passion for it, small group leaders, pastors, other leader types who want to disciple folks. You can use our resources as homework assignments. That's how it originally started way back when. I would be counseling someone, but I wanted to give them more help than just the time that we were meeting together. And so I began to create resources. And, well, here we, here we have a huge content-heavy website. And so let us serve you. That would be a joy I want to enter into this podcast slash article by telling you about my friends, Biff and Mabel. In this case, Mabel lives with a mean man. His name is Biff. At times, he will curse her for no reason at all. Other times, he will lock her out of the house. A typical day is Biff coming home drunk and threatening her. Mabel lives in fear, as you can imagine She's afraid to leave, and she's afraid to stay. It is a conundrum when there is abuse going on because she's in a dangerous place. If she stays, it's dangerous. If she leaves and doesn't get competent help, well, more than likely she will come back. And if she does, the abuse can escalate even more than what it already is. During counseling, she asked what I thought about emotional abuse. And if what she was feeling feeling was legitimate, 
The second part of her question was easy to answer. Is what she is feeling, is it legitimate? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It is legitimate. Absolutely. It is real. It is painful. It is sinful. Your husband is abusing you. It's objective and not arguable. Mabel needs help because her husband is a mean man. Identifying emotional abuse is the uncomplicated part. I mean, it's right out there in front of you, and you only need to ask a question or two, and you know what it is. And so it was easy to answer her. Is it legitimate? Is it real? Absolutely. But the more challenging aspect is precisely understanding what it is from a biblical perspective, which is why I'm addressing the term emotional abuse in this particular podcast. I don't have to interact with the legitimacy of it because it's real, and if it's happening to you, you know it's real, but I want to deal with the term, this idea, this label, these two words, emotional abuse, because Mabel needs more clarity and theological precision about the term. And if she can gain more clarity and precision, it will help her combat what is happening to her. The term emotional abuse is not the best way to describe what is going on with this family, specifically with this woman, what her husband is doing to her. Though what is happening is real, the way she is thinking about it does need more biblical scrutiny. The actions of an emotional abuser and the effects on the abused cannot be understood or resolved if our primary descriptor of the problem is incorrect. The solution for our problem begins by going through the right door, and the term emotional abuse is not the right door And I don't mean in any way to marginalize or trivialize what is happening. There's two different discussions. What is happening is one thing. I've answered that question. It is real. It is painful. It is absolute. It is legitimate. But the labeling of it is problematic. It doesn't get to the heart of the problem. There's a big fancy term for this. It's called presuppositional apologetics. That is a theological discipline that teaches how our starting point determines our ending point. If you begin thinking about a problem wrongly, it doesn't matter what the problem is, or if you begin to think about anything, whether it's a problem or not, but if you begin your starting point, your presupposition, if you think about it wrongly, it is impossible to come to an accurate conclusion. For the Christian, our presupposition must always be bibliocentric, meaning Bible-centric. The way that we think about a problem, our starting point, our presupposition must be derived authentically, accurately from the Bible. How you begin determines how you end. You want to start correctly. Though at times we can come across as the word police or nitpicky, I don't want you to hear that in this podcast, and I definitely don't want 
you if if you have a tendency to be a ready fire aim kind of person, then pump the brakes because this is not about being the word police, being nitpicky or beating somebody over the head because you know the right label for this. This is not about that at all. And so without trying to be word policey, it is vital that we understand psychology, which is the study of the soul. And this is a psychological problem that is going on with Mabel. And nobody can study, think about, understand psychology better than the bibliocentric Christian, because God created the soul. If psychology is the study of the soul, which it is, well, God created the soul. Genesis 2-7 says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul God created the soul, and then he gave us the word concerning the soul. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training, in righteousness. Hebrews 4, verse number 12 says, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of mara, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God created the soul. He created this word that gets into the minutiae and the intricacies of our souls. That is psychology in the purest form, not what they do out there, what we may call secular psychology. That is a downgrade That's not the real stuff. When I was in grade school, my teachers told me about skeletons, monkeys, and men. I'm talking about presuppositions here. They went on to show me a pictorial of short monkeys that grew to be taller monkeys. Perhaps you have seen this visual on the left side. It's a little short monkey. On the right side, there's, well, as it progresses along, there are taller monkeys. And as these monkeys grew taller in time, they began to take on different features, and those features were different from their shorter predecessors. And in the beginning, they had full-blown hairy bodies, for an example. And as they evolved, their bodies had less hair. At the end of this long line of monkeys, there was a man, and they called this process of change evolution. But when I went to Sunday school, I was told that the man at the end of the line came from a different place. They called it creationism. There were two groups of individuals vying for the right to name what they were observing. We now know that those two names represent antithetical, competing, and sometimes hostile worldviews. The creationist sees a man and a monkey walking and calls it God's creative wisdom, and the Christian, this person, gives glory to God. An evolutionist looks at the same monkey and man and says that one evolved from the other in some random way, and he worships the creature instead of the Lord. That's right out of Romans 1.25, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen, Paul said. 
The secularist and the Christian observe the devastating effects of what most people call emotional abuse and, for the most part, agree on what they are seeing. It is abuse. It is mean. It is evil. It is a crime. It's illegal. It's harmful. It's horrific. The secularists coined the expression emotional abuse. That's why you don't find it in the Bible. With the hope that by naming it, they have a leg up on how to think about it and respond to it. If the Christian allows the term emotional abuse to stand without challenging it, it is but a short step to follow the world's solutions which rarely includes reconciliation, restoration, maybe repentance, possibly redemption. Emotional abuse is a misdirection term in that it leads you to the wrong place in your search for answers. What we need is a better descriptor for what is happening to Mabel. Again, This has nothing to do with the reality of what's happening to her, but it's about naming rights. Who gets to name it? Is it emotional abuse or is it something else? Again, your presupposition, your starting point will determine your ending point. It will determine how you respond to Mabel and to Biff, to this family. The most basic term for what has been called emotional abuse is a sin. Biff is sinning against his wife. That's what's going on. Now, I realize the S word does not sound as sophisticated to our psychologized ears, but it is a much better starting point to think about what is going on in Biff and Mabel's home. The term sin wrestles the argument away from the psychobabble lexicon that is put forth by our anti-Christian world so they can be in charge of the problem. This proper term, sin, also gives us a biblical framework to understand what is going on while allowing us to bring God-centered care to those who are in the middle of such dysfunctional marriages. But still yet, sin is a big, broad, and general category that encompasses all kinds of evil behavior including abuse. You could say that sin is a cauldron or a basket word that all evil behavior is in. It's where it's collected and flows out of. And abuse is is absolutely one of those words that fall in this big basket. And so that little word, S-I-N, is too big and too wide if you want to understand the specifics of emotional abuse. And so to understand the problem of emotional abuse correctly, you have to unpack the specific sins associated with the actions that Biff is doing and the effects of his behavior on Mabel. One big key for Mabel is to understand that Biff is not abusing her emotions. Her emotions are healthy. 
They're not abused. Her emotions are in good working order. Her feelings are functioning according to God's design. It is God's mercy to her that her emotions are functioning the way they are. And because they are, she can accurately discern what is happening to her. Because her emotions are functioning this way, She is feeling exactly what she should feel. That is a mercy from God. Normal functioning emotions are emotions that are consistent with the thinking of a person who is emoting. Mabel's feelings are the byproduct of what she is thinking. Her thoughts give her her emotions. Thinking comes first. Emotions is a response to thoughts And when she is thinking about Biff sinning against her, well, her emotions can only have one reaction or one response. Mabel is a normal person. Her emotions are sending signals to her mind, letting her know that her experience is real and she must cry for help. Biff is not abusing her feelings, but he is abusing Mabel. And the primary target that is being abused, to be most accurate here, is her thinking. It is her thinking that is under attack. Biff is attacking her thoughts, and her thoughts are reacting, which is causing these emotions. For example, when Biff is yelling at her, Mabel's mind, her thoughts are telling her to fear, to know, to respond in fear is a mercy from the Lord. An emotive fear response is exactly what should be coming out of her when she is in a situation like this. If she didn't know to fear, If her emotions did something else, then she would not respond correctly. But her emotions are normal. Mabel is afraid of her husband. She is scared of what he may do next. And her emotions are responding correctly to her logical and accurate thinking. It is the person who does not know how to emote fear when fear is the right emotion that is in trouble. Let's suppose that I'm happy. If I am glad, I will be emoting some form of happiness, smiling, laughing, gratitude. My emotions are not experiencing abuse, but they are a sign or a clue that is telling you what is going on inside of my mind. In Mabel's case, what needs addressing are not her emotions, but a biblical way to think about what her feelings are signaling to her mind. Her emotions are putting off an infallible sign that there is something wrong. And if her friends have this kind of discernment, they will mobilize to help her in at least two areas. Number one, and most importantly, help Mabel. Help her to persevere in a horrible marriage. Give her answers. Come alongside her. And the second thing, confront Biff for what he is doing to Mabel. After you recategorize the problem with biblical typology, sin, which is the big, broad, general basket word, you'll be able to gain a more accurate understanding of what's going on in the home. For example, 
I want to give you a standard progression to dysfunction in Mabel's house. Here are nine sequential steps. Number one, Biff approaches Mabel with the intent to be mean to her. Number two, Biff says something unkind or uses the silent treatment or another manipulative sin. Number three, Mabel thinks about what he did. Number four, Biff does not own his sin, meaning he does not repent. He doesn't change. Five, Mabel continues to rehearse his meanness in her mind. Now, this is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. It is a thought that eventually captures her and eventually becomes a stronghold. This is why you want to come alongside her, because her, her thinking is correct, but, but she needs help, because there will, there will be a possibility that if Biff persists in this, that her thoughts can take her captive. Number six, Biff continues his sinning ways. Number seven, Mabel spirals into fear as she continues to think about what his ill will is toward her. Number eight, Biff persists in his pattern of sinning for weeks, for months, for years. Nine, Mabel becomes despondent and and loses God-centered hope. That is a nine-step progression from or progression to dysfunction. To help Mabel will, will require a mammoth effort from the body of Christ. There are so many spouses that are in this place, and because of the repeated trauma, eventually their thoughts turn and capture them, and they live in this despondency, despair, depression. Their thoughts become strongholds that capture them because of the meanness of other people. There'll be some things that she can take control of, but there are other things that need the community of God as well as a biblical response from Biff, if that is possible. Somebody must confront Biff for his sinful behavior toward her. The church must remain alongside Mabel to help her stay close to God. She needs assurances of God's sovereignty and how she can respond to him through suffering because Biff more than likely is not going to quit, at least not in the short term. A competent Christian should show her how to keep in step with the Spirit. Part of that will be how to help her take thought, take her captives, uh, take her thoughts captive and bring them unto the obedience of Christ so that Biff is not controlling her, but Christ is. She will need help and motivation for a consistent prayer life. A close friend needs to encourage her daily with God's word. Don't think that a person can overcome this by their own strength and ingenuity and perseverance. It, it doesn't happen often. And while the body of Christ is coming alongside Mabel to care for her, they must be mobilizing as they cooperate with God to bring Biff to repentance. As you can see, most of the action items have to do with Mabel because she's the only one seeking help. For Biff, it's kind of simplistic. He needs confrontation, but because Mabel is in trouble and needs help, there are more things that you can actually do for her. 
You can only help those who want it. Biff is not looking for change, which makes it imperative to fortify Mabel while mobilizing the community to confront Biff. This perspective on their problems does not center the help within an emotional framework, but on clear and objective things that are going on in their home. Whether her emotions cause her to feel bad or to feel right, they are not the primary things that need addressing. Her emotions are perfect. Though they serve a vital role to inform Mabel and the church that she needs their care and Biff needs confrontation and correction, Several years ago, I was in a relationship with a man. He was a pastor. I rank this experience as one of the top three worst experiences of my life. If the mental health community were assessing the situation, they would fit my situation within its paradigm of emotional abuse. They would further tease out their solutions and conclusions from that starting point, from that presupposition. They would not teach me how to understand my heart, how to confront and possibly reconcile, if that was possible, with a mean individual, how to persevere with God in suffering, how to make his name great in a horrible situation. What I learned is that my emotions were working fine. They signaled to me that my thinking understood the problem. The man had sinful power over me. This man was a verbally abusing person who found pleasure in hurting people. My typical responses to his verbal manipulations varied from one, appropriating God's grace to an unchangeable situation, two, to sinning profoundly. Some days I was okay, and other days I could not take it any longer. It was emotionally gut-wrenching. Mabel is in a similar situation. On some days she can respond in God-glorifying ways to Biff's meanness, and on other days, she is at her wit's end as she does not know what to do. Her emotions aren't experiencing abuse, but her mind is. Her thoughts are taking her captive, and it's having an adverse effect on her soul. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There are many people like Mabel who are married to spouses who have no desire to love them well. Mabel does not have grounds for divorce, at least not at this time, which only exacerbates the frustration of living with Biff. Her abuse is one of the primary reasons I have committed my life to helping people in these kinds of relationships. I do not take what is happening to Mabel lightly because, I, quite frankly, I can empathize with her. The best thing that could happen to her is to have a courageous, stout, and compassionate friend who would be willing to come alongside her for the long haul. Her husband is hurting her. He is a mean-spirited man who needs the redemptive force of Christ in his life. Mabel must guard her mind against many things, like, like, for example, and probably one of the most common things is not to confuse biblical submission with, with being a neighbor. What I mean by that is she should confront Biff. That's what a neighbor should do. But sometimes wives in this situation, they have an unbiblical interpretation of biblical submission, and a lot of that happens because of the dogmatism and the authoritarianism of the husband, and it's not biblical submission at all. It's being a doormat. 
And so she doesn't need to confuse biblical submission with being a neighbor. Being a neighbor means that I'm going to help my husband. Her husband needs help. And she needs a better man leading her than Biff. She should not be silent about what is happening to her. A trap has caught Biff, and he needs individuals sounding the alarms. If possible, Mabel needs to be one of those people. Now, it might not be possible, as I was saying earlier. It could make the the damage even exponential if if she has to go back into a home because the church didn't come alongside her. She sounded the alarms, but no one came a-running, and now Biff, he ratchets up his abuse because she said something. This trap is of Biff's own making. Mabel can love him well if she chooses to bring others into their marriage problems. This response can be dicey, as I said, especially if the church is inept at helping victims like her. If you are in a marriage like Mabel's, I appeal to you to reach out for help. Reach out to us. Let us serve you. We can't change you, him, or the marriage, but you don't have to be silent. I don't want you to be a silent. If, you're, if your emotions are telling you that things are not right in your marriage, listen to what they are signal, signaling to your mind and insist that the body of Christ intervene. We can offer limited care, and it would be our pleasure to do that. If you want to read this podcast, I would encourage you to do so. It's titled Emotional Abuse, Its Origins, which is in your thought life, caused by a mean individual, and its cure. A big part of that cure is the body of Christ. Let us know how we can serve you. Reach out to us. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.